Hi everyone, it's Indy and welcome to Lady in the Stacks, episode 9. In this podcast, we meet interesting and engaging library staff and have thought-provoking discussions about the dynamics of libraries, issues affecting libraries and their patrons, and thoughts about the future of the field. Today we're talking to Vince. He's a library worker in California who will share with us his passion for comics and graphic novels in libraries, and he'll tell us why he loves puppets so much. So Vince, please tell us about yourself. Anything you're comfortable sharing with all of us about who you are? Sure. Um, So I'm Vince. Uh, Everyone calls me Vincey. I'm a page at a library in California. Uh, I've been working in libraries for six years now, I think. I think that's about right, including volunteer work and other things. And I just, I I feel like I've really found where I want to be and it's the best. So you know a lot about comics, and this is an area that I know very, very little about um, other than knowing people who are into comics. So tell us about more about how what this is in a library, um, you know, what kind of programming is created around this. We're, we're very I'm very curious to know more. Sure. Um, I mean, I I love this. This is my favorite thing to talk about in libraries so for me comics in libraries are I I think it's great I think that it is a way to explore subjects that maybe teens want or young adults want to deal with that maybe it's harder to bring a book home like if they have questions about like their sexuality about like issues and stuff there's great nonfiction titles and it's easy to grab like a comic book or a graphic novel read it like in a sitting at the library and there's no trace but also there is trying to think of how to put this in the right ways for me comics are not just a genre like that's just a medium and within that there is such a wealth of stories to be told be it in superhero stuff like everything that's popular right now like spider-man superman everything like that but there's also a lot of other comics that come out from like indie comic publishers like uh, the publisher image the publisher boom uh one of my favorites is a comic called Fence, which is just a teen drama about two guys, two rivals at a uh, boys boarding school who who are into fencing. And like, I love that. But also there is such a great amount of all ages comics. And I think that that's great for me. When I was growing up, comics in a library were just here's some Garfield collections. Here's some. Peanuts collections. Here's Calvin and Hobbes, which I love those. I grew up on Calvin and Hobbes and I will always love it. But now I look and there's things like um, one of my favorites. It's like an all ages comic is Cardboard Kingdom, which is by Chad Sell and a bunch of other creators. And it's just this great, colorful story about different kids in a neighborhood and how they all play together and the different roles they take on in their imagination. And I love that. And it's very inclusive. There's people, there's just children from all walks of life. And I love that. And I love, that takes me into uh, one of the other big reasons that I love comics is that I think it's a great way to help normalize other lives outside of what we typically see. Because when you have those books in your library, if there are people of color, if there's LGBT individuals, seeing them in those stories, getting to see them be the protagonist, it normalizes that. It helps not other them as much. 
Um, and so I'm just trying to consolidate all of my thoughts into one thing. But <laughs> when it comes down to programming, too, uh, I know you had someone on a few episodes ago to talk about fandom programming, yes. and it can tie into that. There are just this weekend as we're recording, and I don't know when this will go live, but uh, yesterday was free comic book day, which is a thing where that happens all across like the U.S., where shops will have free comics they can give out to people, everything from all ages titles to more adult titles. And also I see libraries that I follow on like Instagram and Twitter that can get involved, whether it's working with a shop to have some of those titles or maybe they have back issues they've been able to secure from donations and stuff. And it's a great way to offer up comics to kids because it's a great form of literacy. It is a way to get kids reading, even if it's not, you know, a very thick, dense, heavy book, they're still reading. And I love that. Uh, and that works too, not just for kids, but even for adults. There's a prison librarian that I've spoken with and I know who brought up that having comics and graphic novels in a prison library is so essential because if that, if those individuals have a hard time reading, maybe they read at like a lower level and they're struggling, nobody bats an eye if you're reading like Batman. But if they see you trying to read like Go Dog Go, that's a bit, you know, maybe humiliating, whatever. So having those kind of books brings it in. So like I said, I mean, it, for me, it's just another medium to explore literacy and get kids reading. Sure. So so does your do you know of libraries that create programming around certain comics? Um. I don't know of any that do a specific comic book. I know that there's libraries I follow that will have like book clubs based around graphic novels. Um, some libraries I've seen, if they have like older withdrawn graphic novels, will sometimes have like a decoupage project where they will cut them out. I've seen people use like a button maker and make buttons out of their favorite superheroes or manga characters. Um, I mean, it's really, it's just a lot of fun. There's, uh, I know that there's somebody who floats around different libraries in California who does, uh, who teaches kids how to draw comics and things. And so there's a lot of these great programs you can bring into your library, whether you need supplies or not. I mean, most of the time you can find those through withdrawn books. I'm sure if you talk with your local comic shop, they might be able to help you with like comics they would have been discarding because they're not worth more than a quarter mm -hmm. and it's funny because i went to a middle school the other day and I, I sort of got to address a question that i get from parents frequently i held up two books and i said you know some books have a lot of words in them and other books and i held up a graphic novel by victoria jameson i said you know some books have words and pictures in them and these graphic novels are books <laughs> because yeah. i hear that a lot at the library of parents who go no i want you to pick out a real book <laughs> it's like right oh, you know? um I, I i am of the philosophy that you read what you want and so much of what children have to read is not stuff that they would necessarily choose to read so if they're going to be given the opportunity to read for fun let them pick what they want to read. And I'm not even concerned about reading level. If if you want to read something and you, it's not quote unquote at your reading level, so what? I 
100% agree. I, when I was in like the tail end of junior high was when uh, more and more like graphic novels, and especially like manga were starting to be carried in libraries and having a bigger prominence. And I remember my English teacher, like not just mine, but all the English teachers in that department during like parent teacher night explaining this doesn't count as reading. You can't put this in a book log. And it was like, well, but, but why it's, uh, I mean, especially now I look at it, something like the babysitters club graphic novels are, those are so in demand. Those are constantly selling while there's a new spinoff series that's going to be coming out in December. And that's great. I mean, that was a prose novel, and now it's a graphic novel for kids. And if they're reading that, they're reading. Oh, the, and the, there's the kids at our our system love those books, and um, and so that's usually when it comes up, where you know a parent will go, I I know the value, but the parent will go, oh well, you know, why don't you read a real book? Um, it kind of breaks my heart that my son doesn't like graphic novels, uh, <laughs> because his father does. Um, and and I had never read a graphic novel in my life until I took a class in grad school, and I really enjoyed it. It was never a format that I was used to, and I really really enjoyed it. And I think not just for reluctant readers, although that is sometimes something that I do go to um, for children who maybe are in that in-between, between content-wise, between, you know, the um, the leveled reading and the full chapter juvenile fiction. Uh, I might, you know, suggest, hey, well, you know, what about Big Nate? Why don't you check that out? Or, you know, some of the other graphic, that just happens to be an incredibly popular one where we are. Right, Big Nate, uh, Diary of a Wimpy Kid, Dork Diaries, all of those in that realm. Yes, and, and, you know, the kids sometimes are like, oh, yeah, that's great. And then, you know, you ever once you get the parent who says, well, you know, it's too many pictures. You know, it's kind of like the debate that goes on between audiobooks and books. So is an audiobook really (laughs) reading, right? So... I am. Yeah, don't get don't get me on my soapbox. I was literally my wife laughed really hard because she reminded me the other day that when we were at a party like a month ago, someone in another room started to smack talk audiobooks is not reading. And I, without even hesitating, was in that room in that conversation, self inserting just like, no, please let me tell you why audiobooks are reading. Uh, yeah, I, I'm fun at parties. All I do is talk about libraries. And it's it's a very it's a very ableist perspective to say, oh, well, oh, yeah. it's not really reading. Sure. And I I don't know where it falls in what argument it falls into. But for me, I like audiobooks, but I love them when it comes to a book that has a lot like a big cast of characters. Like I recently revisited The Golden Compass as an audiobook, and it's read by not just Philip Pullman, but by a full cast. And it. I haven't read that book since I was like in junior high, but listening to it as an adult, as a busy adult, I was able to immerse myself in that book and get lost. And it's so much easier hearing all these different voices and being able to say, ah, I know who that character is. I know what their specific voice sounds like. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. So, so I, I look forward to working with our teen librarian. I know she's been trying to sort of get some things started in terms of, um, comics and, and manga and so I definitely will uh, have her tune into this because I think that there's certainly some interesting things that she can bring out in her programming she works primarily with with teens but she works with tweens as well and we get a lot 
because we're located near schools. So we get a lot of kids in. Um, so this will be wonderful. So you clearly love what you do. You love working in a library. What would you be doing if you weren't working in a library? So what type of alternative paths have you considered in your life? You know, I, I don't have a good answer. I mean, I did a stint for a little bit as a substitute teacher and I enjoyed that. I got along with like, I mostly worked with like junior high students and teens and I really enjoyed that. But that was, I mostly dabbled in like English classes because I guess really, even if I wasn't in a library, I'd still be doing something with books. I'd be, uh, I'd probably be like in a, um, like the shop Powell's, I'd probably be in a big kind of independent bookstore like that. That's really where I would want to be. What is it about working in a library that interests you so much? If, if, if Because I, I do notice that when people mention uh, things that they might otherwise be doing, there is generally overlap. And in, in your case, there's a lot of overlap. So what is it that about that particular environment that you find so, so um, necessary to your, uh, to your work? Um, it's, I mean, the main thing for me is it's a, it's such a satisfaction to be of service to your community by offering books, by offering computers, offering just that place to get information and knowledge. That for me is the big part of it. But I also just, I've always loved working with kids even before when I was in like junior high, I was babysitting and stuff a lot. And it's just, for me, it's just a very rewarding way to be of, like I said, to be of service to those around me, to be of service to those in my community, because there's kids out there and they're going to grow into adults. And I, I really just want them to know that like, Hey, if you need help, there's a library, even if it's beyond the scope of what we have in books, um, libraries can be a great place for really just about everything. It's kind of a one-stop information shop, even, even if it's not homework help, even if they need help finding, you know, sensitive information and stuff, they need places to go where, you know, libraries are there for them. Right. Yeah. I mean, we, we're sort of a a community hub and a a resource hub and, um, you know, we, we try to, provide as much information as we can for people. Um, so yeah, I, I, I love that sort of feeling of serving my community and uh, that customer service aspect of things. I, I'm one of those rare people that really enjoys working with people. Oh, and, sure. And, and well, not every librarian does, <laughs> but right, I do. I, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, put me on the, you know, if I, if, if I ever have a chance to be on like a circulation desk or whatever, I'm thrilled. Like, <laughs> let me be up there. Let me make small talk about whatever you're checking out. Like that's, oh, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, you know, I enjoy, I mean, and I'm an introvert, so I, I, you know, I can do that all day, but then I come home and I don't really talk to anyone for a while. But... Oh, sure. It's come home. <laughs> just, I want, I want to turn on one of my like really loud, angry punk records. And I just want to <laughs> curl up on the couch and just, we have, my wife and I have a bunch of like very large stuffed animals that sit on our couch and I just want to like clutch one of those and I just want it to be quiet and I just, mm. it's all I want when I get home from work. But when I'm at work, I will, yeah I could talk someone's ear off. I really like you. I really enjoy working in libraries and I really enjoy what I do. Um, and I find that most librarians I talk to and library staff 
really love what they do or they're working toward something in the field that they want to do. Right. Um, so and, and that's so encouraging because I think that that is one of the unique things about our field. I mean, I think most of my Twitter feed, my Instagram feed now is a lot of like librarians and like teen librarians and children's librarians. But I see on there even something as simple as like a children's librarian posting about like a story time they did. And you see kids like dancing with colored scarves and everything. And there's so much joy and happiness. And it's like, that's just, that's it. That's, that's all I, that's all I want out of like libraries. I, I think that that sort of magic is my biggest reward in, in working with children. The world is still magical. You know, things are still, exciting and interesting and you know sort of still sort of new but um but that that's a wonderful wonderful feeling and i've seen a lot of pictures of you with puppets oh so what's that about yeah. uh i just love puppets <laughs> i uh if you if you told me that as an adult i would be in love with puppets that i don't know if i would believe you but uh as an adult i love puppets um yeah i I've become very adept at knowing them too. I, uh, I, this is probably something that only library workers will probably find funny. But the other day I saw a puppet and I was like, that is a nice puppet. That's, that's folk manis quality. That's like the premium Cadillac of puppets. And my friend is like, what are you talking about? Turns like the you know bottom of the puppet inside out, sees the tag and is like, Oh, it's a folk manis puppet. And I was like, yeah, I, I know my puppets. Um, but uh, puppets for me, it's a big thing. My wife and I kind of like are one of the very first things we talked about that was like, oh, I I have to meet this person and stuff. I have to have a date was like children's television and like intersectional children's television and stuff. And a lot of that comes from things like Lamb Chop and Fraggle Rock and like The Muppet Show and stuff and all these things. And I just... As much as I thought maybe it fell off from my life, it just keeps going. And there's a marionette theater that we enjoy going to. We got married there. A, a puppet Dracula walked my wife down the aisle. Oh, I mean, wonderful. Yeah, it's, I, I just, much like I said, I like, I love the whimsy and the delight that you can bring into people's lives with a library. And I just, I guess I just try to embody that in my life outside of it. I just, you, you, you put out into the world what you want to get back from it. And I just, I just want delightful things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just, I love puppets. We have, we had a, a sock puppet making party for my birthday this year because that's how you ring in 29 with style <laughs> <laughs> and everyone loved it when I put I like kind of did it as a like a joke I was like I think I should do this for a birthday party and all of my friends were like great tell us the time we'll be there and it's it's yeah like I said I mean with it goes into like story time too that you use like a puppet during story time and those and you watch a kid and there's so much magic and the way that they are just they see that puppet and that is all they see. And I love that. I love bringing that little bit of magic into, into someone's life. I think, and I think for little, for little kids too, there's a sense of approachability that comes with a puppet, especially when you have yeah. adults talking at you all the time. <laughs> yes. There's, um, uh, 
in that Mr. Rogers documentary that came out, Won't You Be My Neighbor, there was a scene and it moved me so much of him um, talking with like a little kid, but he's talking through the puppet and the little kid has a full on conversation with like Daniel Tiger about feeling sad and what's upsetting him. And it's like, it's, it's so fascinating and so incredible to me that the kid might not have that conversation with like an adult, but they're, they see that puppet and they are, they just feel at home and safe. Yeah. And they know, you know, on some level they, they feel safer with you. Um, I don't use enough puppets. I've been told because I usually am uh, by myself doing story, story time solo. So it's kind of hard for me to, to, to do puppets. I have to, I'm very limited in terms of what kinds of little puppet shows I can put on. Cause I only have two sure. hands. Although I have discovered finger puppets and that does help. Um, finger puppets help. <laughs> and, I mean, flannel boards. I will always love a flannel oh, story time. I use tons of flannel. That is like my go-to and um, and I, I wish like they don't teach you this in library school. They don't teach you how to make things out of felt. So I'm, I'm learning this all on the job. And, and this is not something that comes naturally to me. But as I see what other librarians do, I go, ooh, I, I wonder if I could I could just like, figure out how to do that. So it's it's been a lot of fun. So you sort of hinted at this. You like puppets. What other things do you like to do outside of your library life? Um, I bake a lot. I uh I have a sourdough starter that hangs out in my fridge and I feed it once a week and I make bread now and then, or I'll also make brownies and cookies. And that goes hand in hand with my other hobby, which is record collecting. Um, I have, I'll sometimes post on Twitter or on my Instagram and stuff that I call them my pop punk baking. Cause I'll listen to like the really obnoxious, like pop punk mall emo kid music I listened to in high school and I'll bake brownies and it's, that's my that's like my comfort zone when nice. no matter what is wrong with the world the like hour-ish of time that i that it goes into making a tray of cookies is that's just the best it, yeah it is a lot of fun especially if i try like a harder recipe or one that just has a lot of ingredients to just be like i i mean i get the science behind it but it's still just such a delightful, magical thing to watch a bunch of dry ingredients and a couple mm -hmm. of eggs become, you know, a mm -hmm. big cake. That's just, I love that. I like to bake bread and I love when, you know, you put that yeast in and you don't know, is it, you know, is the water warm enough? Is that, is that yeast going to take, is it going to eat the sugar? And so, you know, you're sort of looking at the bowl and you're starting to see it rise and they're sort of feeling like, oh yeah, this is going to be okay. That yeah. bread's going to rise. <laughs> Yeah, when you sprinkle it in, you watch the yeast bloom, and right. it's just like, and just like that brief second, you're like, it's not bubbling enough, and then it just starts blooming, and it's like, yes, that's right. Oh, I did it. You know, I, I did it. So, um, so if you knew what you know now, and I know it's not possible, but this is a question I like to ask because I always find that the people I talk to have the best advice when I ask this question. So, knowing what you know now. What advice would you give yourself if you could go back to the start of your career or if somebody was just starting out, what advice would you give them? Ooh, that is a good question. And I, there's a lot that like runs through my brain of what I would say, but I think one of the biggest things is be, just be honest with yourself and tr just try your hardest to just let yourself like let you be you whatever your passion is if you're going into libraries 
I'm sure that there is a way you can work that in. If you are super into music, I'm sure that you can find like a great way to work like a sheet music collection into your library. For me, it's comics, especially like I love focusing on, we haven't really touched on it, but like I love focusing on LGBTQIA comics, like inclusive stuff. And it's, I didn't always have that when I started out in libraries. It took me a little bit to kind of get the ball rolling. But it's just, I think that the more open and honest you are with yourself and what you love will really, really bloom when you're in a library. I, I agree. The field is pretty big. There's a lot of different things that you can get into within librarianship. Um, and, and so, yeah, I, I think if you are part of a system that is open enough to let people with different skills and backgrounds have opportunities to create programming or services that um, that they have a unique ability to run with, then you're going to, because you're playing on the strengths of your staff, you're going to be successful because that passion comes through. If you're I've heard stories of people telling me that they worked in a library where the teen librarian didn't like to work with teens. Why? You know, and, and, and I respect that they didn't want to work with teens, but who in their infinite wisdom put them in charge of teen programming? How miserable (laughs) must that person be? And, and, and you know that the teens that are coming to those programs feel that, um, that this person maybe isn't completely into this. And, you know, and I bet you anything, there were people at that branch who would have loved working with teens. One of my very good friends uh, back back east just put on, they put together a like drag queer prom and they were like, I, like, you know, I think that it was kind of a will it work, will it not? And they had such an incredible turnout and it's like, let your straight like let the staff play to their strengths especially if it comes to like marginalized communities communities that maybe you don't always think of in your planning talk to your staff see what who knows what see where you can reach different parts of your community right right no i i 100 agree um, and that's excellent advice um of course because it usually when we're looking back at what we've gone through professionally and personally we become very wise sages about about things that we didn't know. And, you know, the advice I would have given myself at 30 is different than the advice that I would give myself now at 45. Um, And it will be different than the advice that I will give myself at 55, um, you know, with that, the benefit of hindsight. Um, But I think through forums like this, we're able to share that with people uh, that are listening and may not really know that they need to hear that. Uh, so it's always very valuable. Sure. And like you, like you're saying too, like some of the advice that you have, the like sage, like wisdom you can give your past self. I mean, that really factors in for me because there's, when I started working, I, I knew what I liked and stuff, but I also, I think I kind of was more reserved but I, like I said, I mean, like I love as like a lover of comics and stuff. I started finding more and more like uh, LGBT comic characters and started to realize like there is such a wealth of this that exists. And if 
I had been a teen in a library, uh, even as like a young adult, if I had seen more of that in like the libraries that I go to, that would have helped me understand myself more. And so it's like looking back on it, it's like, yeah, this is like the advice I wish I could have told myself earlier is like you, it's like, hey, like talk with people you work with, see if you can make a make a library more inclusive because it would have helped you so much. Let's try and help the next generation. Representation matters so much, so much. Um, you know, we, we, we all want to explore who we are without, without roadblocks in the way. And if you don't have access to information, that's a roadblock. And if you're hiding the information in the back where no one can see it, that's a roadblock. Um, yes. so the, the fact that, uh, the, the, the field is, continues to become more inclusive, uh, is good. I think we have a long way to go on a lot of different fronts. But, sure. Uh, <laughs> and I mean, I, I, someone else can have the whole conversation, but I mean, there's a whole conversation to be had about the way that Dewey Decimal classifies things. I mean, it's, but yes, there's, there's still, there's a ways to go, but I think that we, especially with the, as, as much as it can sometimes be a bit scary with the advent of stuff like social media, like Twitter and everything and the world of um, like library Twitter and all the librarians that are on, that are on there. I think it's becoming far easier to see a world outside of what you see in your own branch and to find ways to bring that in. Oh, and librarians are so helpful and they, I find that they're so willing to share their ideas with you that you don't even have to recreate the wheel. You, you can borrow from the experiences of other librarians who have tried it and even perhaps tweaked it for the things that, that they you know, didn't work out the first time or didn't, you know, they would change the next time because they might get better results. It, it, it's, uh, that's one of the things that I love about connecting with other librarians online. You know, I work in a very small system, uh, but I have access to a vast amount of resources around me through uh, Twitter and Facebook. So I'm incredibly grateful. And yes, I get to see different aspects of the field and I get to see um, the different issues uh, that I may not come across on a daily basis, but that awareness and that education for me is incredibly valuable because it will. And I can even be proactive and I can start creating those resources before, you know, before we, we, we are sort of dealing with those issues head on. Right. Uh, Cause I mean, there's, yeah, I do love that there's stuff like, um, like Goodreads and there's listservs and everything and you can get book lists easily but when it comes to programming it comes to just other things librarians are so friendly i've i know i've commented before on like somebody's instagram post about like a craft and it within like a matter of minutes they had sent me like a personal message and just being like hey i put this up i run a blog on the side this is my library craft blog here's the link to the page if you ever want to do it and it was like okay cool i personally uh, was not in a place to do that craft but it was like such a sweet and kind gesture that it was just like yeah this works for my library here's how to do it like go for it have fun make it your own absolutely well i just wanted to thank you so much for taking your time uh to talk with us and um i wish you the very best of success in your career and you. i continue to look forward to seeing your puppets on twitter <laughs> yeah. And um, I, go ahead. 
Oh, no, I was going to say, yeah, I, my wife teases me that, and all my friends do, too, that if you pay attention, sometimes if I post videos, the puppet always gives me a kiss on the cheek, and yes. that is the, yes. that's the signature of the video. Yes, yes, yes. Well, they're wonderful to watch, and you seem you seem really in your glory when you are... Um when you are interacting with them. So, so <laughs> That's a very good compliment. Thank you. <laughs> so thank you so much for your time. If you'd like to find out more about Vince, you can follow him on Twitter and Instagram. I'll include this and some other information in the podcast notes. Thank you so much for tuning in. And until next time, I'll be seeing you in